The Fairyland Murders Podcast. 1909, The Suffragettes. The Curzon Wiley assassination was in July 1909 and Laltingra was hanged in August. So let's move on to September 1909. According to Simon Webb, author of The Suffragette Bombers, after the assassination by Laltingra of Curzon Wiley, Scotland Yard's special branch began to investigate both India House and Fairyland. They soon learned something very alarming. Indian nationalists were not the only dissidents learning to shoot in Tottenham Court Road. An informant had warned the police that there were women who were members of the suffragette movement and who were planning to shoot Herbert Asquith, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, who was known for his implacable opposition to women. The informant was Mrs Moore, who was a member of the Women's Freedom League and also a friend of the Prime Minister's sister-in-law, and she opposed acts of violence. On the 27th of September 1909, Inspector Riley of the Metropolitan Police's Special Branch wrote a three-page memo to Herbert Gladstone, who was the Home Secretary and son of the former Prime Minister. I beg to report, having interviewed Mrs Moore at her residence, 4 Playfield Crescent, Melbourne Grove, East Dulwich, on the evening of the 25th inst. She stated that the letter of which she has sent a copy was handed to her while she was in the vicinity of the Houses of Parliament on Monday last. The author has been well known to her for some time and is a member of the Women's Freedom League. And Mrs Moore knows that she has been practising with a revolver or pistol at either the miniature shooting range at 92 Tottenham Court Road or that at Villiers Street, Charing Cross. Mrs Moore produced the letter and showed it to me, but hid the name of the author thereon, saying that as the letter had been sent to her in confidence, she could not reveal the name, and it would be a breach of faith. I pointed out to her that if she were in earnest, police would not be able to act without the name or names of the persons who are inclined to use physical force. But she refused to give them, answering that she knew at least five women in the leagues who had given expression to their intention to commit acts of violence. They have been picketing frequently in the neighbourhood of the Houses of Parliament lately. Some of them belong to the Women's Social and Political Union. Mrs Moore says that she has been making efforts to restrain these women for some time past and has used her power to have them removed from the carriage entrance to the House of Commons, fearing that something would happen to Mr Asquith. But now she finds they are getting out of hand and therefore she thought it best to inform the authorities. Mrs Moore is a member of the Women's Freedom League, having formerly belonged to the Women's Social and Political Union, from which she seceded. She is a married woman, residing with her husband at the above address. She stated that she is a friend of Mrs Tennant, the sister-in-law of Mr Asquith. She appears to be a woman in earnest as to what she states, and some reliance may be placed in her. I made inquiries late on Saturday evening at 92 Tottenham Court Road and the proprietor of the miniature shooting range there informed me that about three weeks ago 
two women, one of whom he described as a little woman wearing a tam who were said to be suffragettes, had been practising with a browning pistol. I asked him to inform police if they should visit again. Further inquiries are being made there and also at Villiers Street regarding the matter. George Riley, Inspector. Careful inquiry will be made and further report will be submitted. P. Quinn, Superintendent. Note. Further inquiries made today at 92 Tottenham Court Road shows that the two women had been practising off and on for six weeks and had spoken of themselves as suffragettes. They have not appeared again. There have been no women at Villiers Street. As a result of this report, the Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police wrote to Gladstone, the Home Secretary, on the 27th of September. Mr Gladstone, the annexed report seems to me to show that there is now definite grounds for fearing the possibility of the PMs being fired at by one of the pickets at the entrance to the house. Sir M. McNaughton, it is true, still doubts the genuineness of the information supplied by Mrs Moore, because she will not give the name of the writer of the letter. But it seems to me that when she states that certain suffragettes have been practising shooting at 92 Tottenham Court Road, brackets, the place where Dingra practised, close brackets, the inquiry confirms this. There is strong ground for believing the warning to be genuine. It seems to me that we have in fact prima facie grounds for believing, though of course not evidence, that there is something nearly amounting to a conspiracy to murder. If there is an unknown woman who has made up her mind to shoot, it will be easier to prevent the act if she is one of the pickets. Each of the pickets at the entrance to Palace Yard, where the Prime Minister drives in, will be watched by several constables standing close to her, and if she draws out a revolver, will be instantly stopped. But if she is turned away from her post at the gate and instead walks up and down between the Houses of Parliament and Downing Street at the hour when the Prime Minister may be expected to drive down, though the chance of her getting near the carriage is somewhat less, the chance, if she does, of her getting a shot is very much greater. Two weeks later, on the 1st of October, in a letter marked Secret, Gladstone wrote to his fellow cabinet member and also a suffragist, Sir Edward Grey, the foreign minister. He wrote, As things are, I am in a state of constant anxiety touching the safety of the Prime Minister. We know that women have been practising shooting. Some of them are half crazy or wholly hysterical. The most stringent precautions have to be taken. The Limpney affair and resulting investigation, that but for an accident, violent and dangerous action would have been taken. Therefore, I gave directions to Scotland Yard that a division of what we call the special branch in the CID should be immediately formed and that the whole affair should be treated as a dangerous conspiracy. He went on to say, This stage may be passed safely. It will be different at a general election. There will be first the question of personal safety 
and secondly, the position of the government relatively to the franchise. I am concerned about both. In the rough and tumble of a British election, it will be most difficult to take effective precautions. The probability is that if things go on as they are, something very bad will happen. Attempts at violence will be made, and there may be reprisals. I speak in no language of exaggeration. In these matters, I am responsible now, and I have much anxiety. I have put them before Asquith, and he fully realises the situation. I thought I ought to put it up to the cabinet, but he did not wish it. Don't let us acquiesce in the idea that we can muddle through. The position of the Prime Minister and of two or three of our colleagues is wholly adverse to the suffrage. Months ago I went to the PM, I pressed him to receive a deputation of the women's organisations. The abominable way in which he had been treated made him refuse, absolutely. The recent refusal to receive the Fawcett non-militant deputation seems for the present, at any rate, to preclude the possibility of arriving at an understanding with or through him. Are we then to go back on the main justice because of militant violence? The authorities decided to allow the Westminster protests to continue, but to redouble police precautions for the rest of the parliamentary session. And that's really all we have about the plans by the two women to assassinate the Prime Minister. Who were these women? Who was the lady in the Tamashanta hat? We'll never know. History doesn't tell us. If you think the suffragette assassination talk was just talk, well, in July 1912, a few years later, a woman threw a hatchet at the Prime Minister's face. It missed and hit the person sitting next to him, slicing through their cheek and ear. These actions are quite different from our current day view of the suffragettes. We see Mrs Webb wearing a sash in Mary Poppins. We remember the death of Miss Emily Wilding Davison at the 1913 Derby. We remember the cat and mouse act and the false feedings. But there was another side which was violence against property and against people. In the next episode, we'll cover another murder, this time inside Fairyland in 1914. A murder that changed British law. You can contact us by email fairylandmurders at gmail.com and we're on Twitter at the Fairyland Pod. Thank you for listening. Copyright Ellis Pratt.